Hi, my name is Beth Anderson. I'm a family law attorney with Anderson Law PC. When you're in the family law blues, we will get you in the right direction. You can call my cell phone or text me, 303-808-4794. And you can consider us your Crossroads crew, your dissolution angels, whether it's a divorce, probate, family law, child support. I will give you a free consult, get you in the right directions, because families change shape. That's perfectly fine. But you're not just breaking up, you're breaking upward. I'm here today with Dan Lucchese. I love, love, love Dan. He's of Lucchese Property. He's a phenomenal realtor. But what sets him apart and why we're talking today is our question of the day, I guess, from last week, which was... How do you sell a property? How do you best sell a property in probate? It's a big issue. A lot of times everyone on the family wants a piece of the pie and maybe someone wants to live there. It's a lot of moving pieces and it's not as easily done as a lot of people think. So the first step I'm going to do is have Dan Lucchese introduce himself. Well, thank you so much for having me, Beth. I really appreciate it. And it's an honor to be one of your first guests on your new podcast. And uh, yeah, so I'm Dan Lucchese. I'm the owner of the Lucchese Property Group. We're a top 5% uh, real estate team in Metro Denver uh, consistently. And um, our area of specialty is, as you said, probate real estate. So that, that sort of is a catch-all term I use to cover everything from uh, trusts to um, probate to estate properties and conservatorships and guardianships. Yeah, and I was even meeting with um, a really good, another one of my competitors who I very much liked, and I was talking to him about you. I already introduced you guys by email, and um, he said, you know, a lot of realtors, they have that expertise, but you've really focused on it for a long time, so that's why I thought um, you were a good person to start with. And also that you mentioned um, your program, Clean Out to Close. So if you need to sell a piece of property during probate, why don't we start with what is clean out to close and why is that going to help a family who's just lost a loved one, they're really upset, one of them is a personal representative, and tell us about clean out to close. Sure. Well, you know, originally I I started doing this back in 2015, and it took a year or so before I started to realize that there was really an opportunity to add more value for our clients who are often the personal representative or just the entire family. And it, you know, it is so much work that the personal representative takes on. And that's probably the number one thing they don't realize when they, they sign up to, for the job, uh, the logistics, uh, that go into, um, managing that, that person's estate is significant. And we realized that a lot of times the biggest, uh, delay in in someone in a family selling their loved one's home was all the work that they had to do the logistics oh, of yeah. getting the house cleared out I have a quick question on that do sure. you find that they're so emotionally overcome that it gets in the way of them doing some of those tasks that's definitely a, that's definitely an issue in some of the cases yeah mm-hmm. where where you can see sort of from the outside perspective that they are um, you know, the logistics 
are manageable, but they you can tell there's like a an emotional hang up that's it's sort so of true. taking yeah. place. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know because I don't do your part of it, but I have noticed that and we have so many tactics to work with our clients and sometimes they just need it taken off their plate. Yeah. And that that's essentially, you know, to sum up the clean out to close program, that's essentially what we offer is uh, a variety of, of vendor relationships and resources to help the family with all of those logistics of getting their loved one's house cleared out, getting the stuff sold, donated, hauled away. So um, you have a list of contacts, it sounds like, for them. It's a list of resources as well as uh, our team actually will manage and coordinate those resources for them. Oh, nice. So what kind of areas do they need as resources? What are some examples? Yeah, so so estate liquidations, so that's auctions. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. You know, everything mm-hmm. from under those services to um, Holloway services. There's always stuff that needs to be removed. There's, um, you know, sometimes repairs are appropriate. A lot of times we sell the property as is, but mm-hmm. sometimes a, a repair or two is warranted. And, um, and, and Or just cleaning, having the place emptied out, cleaned, professionally yep. done. It's all of those resources, even professional organizers who specialize in um, senior transition and downsizing and and helping with people's estates. Yeah, usually when I go to do probate, it's a nice house. It's gone up a lot in value. It's full of tchotchkes and there wasn't a lot of cleaning. It's full of dust and maybe they had a cat or something like that. Maybe the lawn is overgrown. Is that your experience or how do you usually catch a house when it's in probate? Yeah, I, I would say the majority of the property that we sell in probate is, is you know, a little bit more outdated or has a lot of deferred maintenance. And I, I think that's just a natural byproduct of, you know, as people tend to age, people are on a fixed income, the cost of maintaining a house is, is becomes challenging, and also the physical requirements of, of some, a homeowner to care for it themselves become challenging. So we see a lot of a lot of houses that, you know, need need some work. And most of the times it's the family's best interest to, to go ahead and sell it as is without making any additional repairs. So let's say they're doing an auction, there's a lot of items in the house. How do you work with the family so that say when they're cleaning out the house, they can set aside what's sentimental or important to them, but also figure out what to sell. How's that work? Do you know? Sure, yeah. Um, Well, I certainly wouldn't claim to be the expert at that. Right. But what we do is we work with professionals. So we have professional organizers who are experienced, highly experienced, and trained in dealing with uh, estate real estate situations and also uh, senior transition, like downsizing to move to assisted living and things of that sort. So they're very good at helping a family figure out what is sentimental and really meaningful to them, not to mom or dad who passed, right? Because sometimes the family right. has that, that, oh, this was so important to mom. It's a burden to them, maybe. But was it yeah. really important to you? If it wasn't right. important to you, then it, it probably isn't sentimental to you. That's a good point. And then I think what you're talking about, if I picked up on it correctly, is there might be a surviving spouse who might need to go to long-term care or something. And mm-hmm. we both talked about a lot of times maybe the house 
is involved, the sale of the house is involved in getting sure. a person into that care. So that would work a lot with my elder law clients, which I hadn't thought yeah. about until we just mentioned it. Before we go to the next question, I just have to mention that Dan Lucchese was the best dressed guy in a group I was in, and I always played sharp dressed man whenever he spoke because he's always very well polished and very well dressed. He's a dad and he's just a great all around guy, but I just had to kind of break the ice and talk about that a little bit. So I wore one of my best suits today. I'll have you know. Oh, thank was, you. Well, yeah, it looks in good. Tribute, it's a nice in tribute. Looking... I mean, can't, no, I mean, I can't measure up. I'm not worthy, but I did wear that today with court. And then as I was picking, I was like, oh yeah, Dan, he's always got a great suit. <laughs> so, so, um, on to our next, um, comment about selling a house in probate. And Dan and I had talked before about what are some of these big mistakes he sees. Mm -hmm. I found it very informative and I've done a number of probates. So one was about um, quit claiming the deed. Mm -hmm. Do you remember about that or what do you have to say on that topic? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I, I, I've got to uh, honor your profession and, and put a little disclaimer out there that I am not an attorney and I, right. and I, very diligent in making sure my clients know that and, and, and don't take my thoughts as legal advice. Uh, but I do have a lot of experience in this and I see patterns. And one of the more common um, issues that I see come up is that the family uh, tries to avoid going through the probate process or having the house, I should say, go through the probate process. And so they, they do one of two things. They either quit claim the deed to the beneficiaries before mom or dad has passed, or they add all of them to the deed. So, so now mom or dad and the uh, usually you know the the children uh, beneficiaries are added, and that creates some unintended consequences. Yeah, and I'll address one which I'm familiar with that Dan had mentioned, and that is I'm not a tax attorney, but. You do not want to lose the opportunity to pass along a piece of real estate without having to pay capital gains tax. And long story short, ask your accountant, ask your tax attorney. Mm -hmm. But the general understanding is that when you pass along, you die, that property through your probate, through your will, is going to pass to the next person with the basis jumped up. And enhanced, mm -hmm. and so you don't have to pay tax on that. So, for example, your parents bought a house for two hundred thousand. It's now worth six hundred thousand. Your mother was the surviving widow. She passes away. You don't want to have to sell that and pay tax on the four hundred that right. it went up in price. So, talk to your accountant, and your tax attorney. But I'm familiar with that piece. But the other one is you talked about chain of title. So let's talk a little bit about that piece. Yeah, well, when you when you sell a property, there's there's a variety of, of different types of deeds that you can use. But generally speaking, uh, the two most common outside of probate uh, is is a special warranty deed or a general warranty deed. And the the reason the word warranty is in there is because the seller is making certain warranties or offering certain warranties to the buyer related to the chain of title, and so. When, when you, as a seller, are now on chain of title, you have liability. You have some exposure there about uh, any uh, encroachments or encumbrances that might exist on the property, any easements, things of that sort. And you could have some legal exposure related to that. 
in contrast, the you know the better way to do it, and we can only do this if we're you know a, a, a an attorney such as yourself or a realtor with the you know specialization that we have in our expertise get involved early enough and uh, we can use what's called a personal representatives deed to actually transfer the ownership directly from mom or dad's estate to the buyer and and circumvent ever putting the beneficiaries on chain of title right and bringing all that responsibility onto them and just so you know probate that means someone passed away they usually have a will if they don't um, that's okay because the colorado laws of intestacy will figure out who inherits but the personal representative is what a lot of people know as an executor Mm -hmm. and they're the person who gets the job done so they're usually nominated by the parent in their will and that's one of many reasons to have an excellent estate plan by the way and then um that person will oversee maybe getting the um I don't even know now if you are still used to have to lodge the will with the county. I don't know if they got away from that with COVID, but they also have to get letters testamentary maybe to take to the bank and so forth. So they they basically are going to get the job done and figure out who, um, maybe take care of the funeral, figure out who inherits and how to get it to them. So they would be helping to oversee the sale. And one thing that Dan and I talked about, and this blew my mind, I did not know this because they, I, I think as a lawyer, it wouldn't come to you, is someone opens probate. And I want you to know, probate's pretty easy in Colorado compared to places like um, California. So compared to places like California where probate is difficult and onerous, I'm told, I don't practice there. And so they often open a trust just to avoid it. But probate in Colorado is relatively easy. So that means you have people doing it on their own. They don't call lawyers. I'm not going to talk to them. And so I didn't know that sometimes they transfer the property, the personal representative, the executor, puts the property in their own name. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. uh, You know, one of the one of the most unfortunate parts of when, when I see that happen is is actually um, a, a realtor without the specialization in, in probate and estates gets involved and they don't know any better how to transfer the ownership. So they see that they see that you know someone has passed away and and they don't even understand that the property could get transferred directly from their estate. So they advise their seller. Um, who oh is, the be- is the personal representative to, well, you have to put it in your name so that you can sign the listing agreement with me and then we can sell it. And uh, obviously oh, that- that drives me crazy yeah. that they do that. But Dan and I have talked before that sometimes one of my pet peeves is the realtor who thinks they're a lawyer and gives all sorts of legal advice. I even had a case where someone wrote a separation agreement. Now that's not okay and that's not allowed, but that doesn't mean- It is not allowed mean, under our license. Yeah, they could pr- maybe have their license in jeopardy, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So I was really shocked. So what that would mean is maybe your parent or your spouse passes away. You're going to sell the property that was in their name, and you just put in your name because you're the personal representative. Here you have siblings and different people who might be inheriting or getting some mm-hmm. of that money from the house. So it's a needless step. It's very awkward. It's not the right way to go. And I can't help you if you're like most people doing your own probate. So I think this is 
kind of a public service message to the public. Do not make that mistake. Do not get a realtor who's very confused or uneducated about probate. Yeah, um, this I, I, I would add another disclaimer to that. This is one of those situations where uh, for, for the, the reasons we've already mentioned, as well as one other, that you may not want to hire your cousin or, or niece who's a realtor, right? Because the, the one other reason is, of course, you don't want, this is not a situation um, where you want accusations of any kind of impropriety going on within the family, Oh, right. yes. Conflict of interest. And yeah. I was thinking about the same thing because I can't tell you how many times what happens is let's just take a classic case. And by the way, it's very important to Dan and to me that we would never talk about any of our clients, not even in a hypothetical, because I don't even want to have anyone that I represent think I would even make them into a hypothetical and I never will. So I'll only talk about composites or things that I see all the time, one of which is you approach someone, oh, well, my wife is a realtor, so she wants the sale, and that may be okay. Be but you have to probably build a record that you offered this out to other people, that the listing is for fair value, that there's nothing shady going on. And this is a part that I did not know until I became a probate attorney. That means taking care of the legal issues after someone is deceased. Really good people, honest, salt-of-the-earth people get into it when it comes to dividing up property in death. It seems to follow the same script every time that there's one person who's a detractor. They're often not a child of the deceased parent. They might be an in-law. Now, sometimes they are, but sometimes not. And then we have so many blended families now, so it gets very complex. But whoever it is, and if you saw the movie Parenthood, because I'm a movie fan, it's kind of the, they come in from um, the black sheep. Here they come with their empty pickup truck, and I call them a swooper. And they come in with, you know, oh, dad, mom, how can I help? And then they are the ones that might want to make a play to get more or they might be the ones that are just, I'm not the personal representative. I should have been, and I'm going to criticize everything, including how slow it's going. So one of those issues, and that was a little digression, but one of those, it, it's huge though. That's my main issue. And one of those um, things that comes to pass are the relative or the cousin or the nephew who's a realtor best friend. So mm -hmm. um, they're going to fall prey to all these concerns. And I think one was about selling to investors because everyone's pushing yeah. them. Get this done yesterday. Before I pass it to um, Dan on that issue, that's a lot of times when we get hired is just to protect someone from that detractor who's, you know, mm -hmm. why is it taking so long? Where's my money? Um, and so selling to investors, is that sometimes faster? Or what's the problem with um, that concern that you raised when we talked before? Yeah. Um you know, I don't, I don't have an inherent issue with the properties being sold to investors. In fact, you know, a lot of the properties, like I said, a lot of deferred maintenance or they're very dated condition and they warrant a big update. And sure. so most of the time those, those do end up in the hands of investors. The issue really is how, how, what, how does it end up in the hands of the investors? 
if a family gets approached by one or maybe two investors and they look at one or two offers and then sell the property to them, the, the personal representative, is, as you, of course, know, has some, some exposure there, some liability about whether they did their fiduciary duty to the estate to, to maximize it. And so one of the ways that we can help with that, we've, you know, one, we can put the property on the open market and make sure that it gets proper exposure. And through our clean out to close services, we can make the process just as easy for the family. And, you know, we're experts at selling the property as is, where is, so that the family doesn't need to make repairs. There's also another way that we can help them. Uh, we, you know, have been doing this a long time, and we've curated a list of, of good, reputable investors who, um, you know, to, to an extent, I feel comfortable standing behind. And I can say that these, these people that we send uh, listings out to are good cash investors who will deliver on the offer that they make. And um, we can have a competitive market of only investors to make sure that you know the property is going strictly to cash investors who can close quickly and make the process easy, but at least we've had a fair uh, competitive market take place. And that, that adds a lot of protection for the family and the personal representative. And it usually nets them a lot more money than the one or two uh, offer investors who realize they have no competition. Right. So it's penny wise and pound foolish sometimes that they just rush with the first investor yeah. to get the job done. And I have to think the pressure to get probate complete combined with the stress that mm. it causes someone might have them just latch on to the easiest first option it has nothing to do with a realtor. If they don't use a realtor, they may just make a bad mistake and and, and rush it through. And then Two things that Dan touched on, fiduciary duty. That is the highest duty of care. And so when you are a personal representative, you probably can handle the job very well. It's paperwork. It's very straightforward. But you have to have the highest level of care. And by that, it means it has to be fair. It has to be objective. And it has to be documented that you did the right thing. In law, we're always saying if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. You have to have what we call a paper trail that you put some offers out there and you had good faith buyers that were paying market value and there was no deal cut on the side. Um, another issue, and I am blindsiding you. Oh, um, Dan has one more thing to chime in. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Yeah, you know, one other point about the the investor offers is a lot. there are – there are plenty of families who recognize the fact that, um, you know, selling directly to investor is not necessarily going to yield them the highest price, but they do it because of that convenience factor, and and rightfully so. That's that's a valid reason. Uh, the other side of that coin, though, is there are there are a lot of families and personal representatives who don't realize for the condition that they that the cash investor may not be their highest price. And in many cases, we can put the house out on the open market, still sell it as is, where is, without any repairs, and net, even after all the real estate commissions, net the family a lot more money. And in many cases, I've seen that be uh, $10,000 plus extra in their pocket. And in one uh, case, which you know, I'm not going to go into specifics, but one very, very, very happy uh, personal representative. We netted him over $300,000 more than 
than what an investor had offered him, and he was functionally in the process of going under contract. So, Well, exactly, and if that person hadn't done their homework and sold to the first investor, they could open themselves up to possibly some liability that you cost all of these heirs mm-hmm. some money that you owe to them. So that's part of the fiduciary duties, just doing the right thing, talking to the experts, um, getting the job done. And sometimes probate takes a while. That's okay. Uh, you just kind of do your, a little bit of your homework every day. One thing we do at my firm is we have the unbundled legal services where the retainer is exceptionally affordable. Um, and then we do the minimum. And I have some people who work with me who really dive in and help with that just to answer a question here or there. And because our retainer, well, right now it's $600. So I can't say it will always be that number, but it's something that that's enough to have a backup, almost like your own personal expert on the side to make sure you do things right and don't open yourself up to a lawsuit or liability. And I do want to mention, um, I just heard about this really extended probate. I was not the attorney on it. But um, it was a three-day probate, and I found out the price of the estate. I'm not going to give details. I'm not the attorney, and I was just finding out about it in casual conversation. Um, the estate's going to be gone to the attorneys mm-hmm. because the probate is dragging on, and I can't, I can never get my finger on why so much fighting. But I think part of it's, I'm told, who did mom and dad love best? Part of it is um, that's a lot of money, and I need it for to pay off my student loan, to help my kids go to college, to fix my car, take that trip I've been wanting to Hawaii, whatever it is, you know, pay off my mortgage. So there's a lot at stake. It's often the most valuable asset that anyone has, and then to sell it in the heat of one of the saddest events of a person's life. That I come from South Dakota. That's farm country. I've seen. My own family, extended family, people destroyed over who gets the family farm. So it you are at peril if you don't do it right to harm your family. Instead of helping them with this great asset, a house, you can harm them. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say to your credit, Beth, I, I think the way that you've figured out your service offering is is fantastic because I, you know, I network with a lot of uh, estate attorneys and the the um, the retainer fee retainer, that you charge yes. is is hands down the most affordable I've I've ever seen. Well, we found a way to make it work for us, and yeah. we're very cautious about it. And then they can replenish it. But um, I'm lucky to have a great team, and we work together to get the job done. Um, and because we, I most people don't want us to do all the paperwork on the probate that can add up. But they just want answers when they need them. Mm. That's the part that I think that we really lend a comfort to it and, and help them get through a rough time. Um, sometimes it can be very depressing for the family. Other times it's something they saw coming. But it's always something that they find overwhelming. Don't be afraid to do probate, but do it right. Don't be afraid to dispose of that asset in a proper way but get the help you need. I guess that's what I would conclude with. So how about yourself? Anything you want to add, Dan, about how do you sell your house in probate? You know, I I think that 
um, whether whether someone chooses to work with with me or or someone else with experience, I really do encourage um, personal representatives and families to to hire a good realtor who, you know, is proven to be you know experienced and a top producer, a real professional, and and I would say the same of the legal services. I think. You know, I'm a big believer in hire a professional for what you should and what, what you're not good at and, and don't try to be the professional. And I, I try to exemplify that in my business and my personal life as well. Yeah, I keep thinking of when I would ski or snowboard and they say amateurs teach amateurs to be amateurs. <laughs> and I think you get a you know, sometimes you really need that helping hand and expertise. And I know um, Dan and I both will always give you a free consult to get you in the right direction that I've stood by that for a long time. Um, the way I start doing the free consults is I don't do sales. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to tell people how great I am. It made me very uncomfortable. So I just started working as if they hired me. I can't give legal advice in a consult, but I can. it's kind of like what you said, Dan. I can tell you kind of thoughts based on my experience mm-hmm. and knowledge of the law. So I've been doing that for over 10 years since um, I started my practice in Colorado over 10 years ago and just giving a consult. And I love it. It's fun to me. And that's why I'm a little hoarse today. I think I did so many consults the last couple of weeks <laughs> that um, I started to lose my voice. It was a busy time. But um, so for me, Anderson Law PC, uh, you can... We'll always have our connection information when we post a podcast. And then I just give out my cell phone. It hasn't caused a problem yet. And I've had that cell phone number for many years, 303-808-4794. And just give us a call if you have a probate issue. We'll get you in the right direction. And um, as for Dan, how can people find out about you? You might have mentioned it earlier, but I can't help to mention it again. I can't hurt to mention it again. Sure. Yeah. Well, you can always check out uh, for more information our website at LPG for Lucchese Property Group, LPGDenver.com. And then you can reach us by phone at 720-515-9791. Yeah. And our office number is 720-922-3880. I'm BethlynAndersonJD.com, Anderson with an E for excellent. (laughs) And um, yeah, but we're always happy to hear from you. I'm telling you, we probably do, I can't even say for such a small firm, I bet we do over 20 consults a week free. Wow. So that's, you know, quite a lot of time, but it works for us and we love doing it. So now it's time for the law joke of the week, which I decided I don't know why I wanted to do. And I have a story behind this one. When I was in law school, I was looking for an apartment and I was thinking of having a bunch of roommates. So I go to interview to see if I want to live in this apartment and a guy shows up with a t-shirt and it has this joke on his t-shirt. And they said, what school are you in? And I said, I'm in law school. And his t-shirt said, what is the difference between a dead snake on the road and a dead lawyer on the road? So it's a pretty well-known joke. Do you know the answer, Dan? I don't. You don't? Oh, wow. Skid marks in front of the snake. <laughs> so, And I always say, if you hate, a lawyer, hate lawyers, you haven't hired us yet. So hopefully we're the exception to that um, 
opinion of lawyers, but it is pretty funny. But needless to say, I chose not to be roommates with those people and ended up having a really great living situation, still friends with some of the people that I ended up knowing in law school. So that's my story. That's my joke of the day. And that brings us to the next thing, which is question of the day. And our question of the day is... um, what can a private investigator do to help you in your family law issue, particularly in divorce? I, I have my own private investigator that we use and have on retainer at our firm, but um, do you have any ideas in probate or what do you think, Dan? What's your guess on that question? Blindsided, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, I'm an advocate of hiring professionals and I've, uh, I've worked with private investigators before to just find, find out information that it's there. I know it can be found. I just don't have the time or resources to go digging for it. That's true because sometimes I could probably go hard on Google and find it myself. It's part of my job as a lawyer, but, um, one thing is to find a missing heir Hmm. And we, we do a lot. So um, tune in at our next podcast and you'll find out a little bit about the need of a private investigator. So do you have any final words, Dan Lucchese? No, I think thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And as I've just enjoyed uh, chatting with you and, and look forward to working with you uh, in the future. Yeah, um, the same very much. It, it, it's just fun to come down here. The um, Hero Smith is where we make our podcasts and we both know Chad from Herosmith, and it's just fun to walk in and see you there. And it's just a conversation. It's a good time. Um, I hope it's some information that benefits people. I know I learned a lot from you, and I've been doing this a while. So hopefully other people the same. And I put a lot of thought into the name of the podcast, Breaking Upward, because for a million reasons, including it doesn't have to be a negative I'm divorced. It was hard. Losing a loved one, very hard. And families change form. I really mean that. And they break up. But you don't have to break down or feel like it's the end of everything. You can really break upward and see it as a new lease. And you're going to find out things about yourself that you never knew. So that's my job. It's a big commitment to me to help people break upward and have a great future no matter what their legal issues are. So thank you so much, Dan. You're my second podcast, and um, I appreciate you very much for coming down and chatting with me. Well, I'm honored, and thank you for having me. The same thing. Take care. Bye.